0: Well, hello everybody, I'm glad that you're here today, especially since we have so many of our men away up at the Alpine Retreat. Um, Scott, as you lead our closing prayer this morning, if you remember them as they're coming down the mountain today, that they'll have safe travels. But we're glad that you're here, and if you'll take out your outline from your bulletin this morning, we'll get into today's message. We're asking the question this morning, do you see anything? We're going to look at a miracle today where, well, this is the first time in the Bible that Jesus does a miracle sort of halfway, and the man needed a second touch to see clearly. How many of you need to see clearly today, and you need a second touch? Ah, there's a bunch of us, I know. And so, open to Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26. Uh, Did you know the concept, at least for contact lenses, goes all the way back to the year 1508? Leonardo da Vinci came up with the concept uh, concept for contacts. Mass appeal for contact lenses when they were kind of in their infancy in the 40s, 50s, and kind of took off in the 60s, but while still in their infancy, while they were still a novelty, a woman was pulled over by a police officer. And checking her license, he said, ma'am, you are required to wear glasses. To which she responded, oh, don't worry about it, officer, I have contacts. To which he responded back, I don't care who you know in the police department, you still need to wear your glasses. Now, you see, that was a conversation that needed some clarity, would you not agree There was something missing there, and so we're going to look at this miracle that happened gradually, and on the surface you're going to think, Jesus did it this way for the blind man's benefit, but really he's doing it for the benefit of the disciples, and the benefit of all of us, because sometimes we go through life, and we don't see God clearly, and we need a second touch to really understand who God is, and who God isn't. Because we sometimes have our preconceived ideas of what God should be like. And we have our vision that may not be 2020 when it comes to seeing things spiritually clear. And certainly that was the case for the disciples. Think about this. Jesus has got to get 12 guys ready in the course of about three years So ready that they are willing to take the whole gospel to the whole world and even be willing to die for their faith. Are you at that point yet? Are you seeing God that clear that you would lay down your life for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe spiritually you need a second touch. Maybe we all need a second touch. And, and, and these disciples don't see Jesus as God yet, but they will eventually. And so this process of getting them to understand who God is fully and completely and clearly is the process that we're going to go through today. And I might ask you, how good is your vision? You say, you're talking about my physical vision or my spiritual vision? Well, let's talk about your physical vision first. Uh, if you want to figure that out very easily, just go to the optometrist and have have you look at an eye chart, and very quickly, you can know your vision, whether it's 2020 or whatever, right? But spiritually, that's a little bit harder, isn't it? And so be thinking about, what is my spiritual vision this morning, as we delve into this text? Where am I with God? How do I see God? Do I see God as God? Or just sort of, God is my bellboy. God is my Santa Claus. God is my vending machine. I put in a prayer and get out whatever I want. Or is He much bigger than that? Is He the God of the universe? Is He the King of kings? Is He the Lord of lords? Is He the one I would lay down my life for? See, spiritual vision is a little bit harder to grasp and hold on to. You know, most... The most often word picture used in Scripture to describe the condition of people outside of Christ is blindness. Did you know that? Blindness. That's the number one word picture for people that are far from God. Have you ever talked to somebody who's far from God about spiritual things, or at least tried to? And they look at you with eyes that are just sort of glazed over. One time I was doing a premarital interview with a couple that was going to be getting married. They asked me to perform the wedding, and and uh, I said, yeah, let's get together. Let's talk about it. She was a strong believer. He was far from God. And so I said, hey, uh, what is it you want to get out of this marriage? You want Christ at the center, and what would that look like a year from now, two years from now, uh, and so on. And And she piped right up, and she started talking about, you know, her spiritual side and the spiritual blessings that she wanted to be brought to her her marriage. And I was looking at him practically the whole time and his eyes were just sort of glazed over like he didn't have a clue what she was talking about. You know why? He didn't. He was not spiritually tuned in. His vision was blinded. Blindness. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, it talks about the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? So he's you don't say Jesus in this verse. It's a little g, right? The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's Satan. You mean he's got that kind of power? What happens to our free will? No, you have free will. You open yourself up to be blinded or not blinded. You still have free will, but the God of this world has a job, just like the God of heaven has a job. The Holy Spirit's seeking you. The Holy Spirit's wooing you. But there comes a time in your life where your conscience can become seared as with a hot iron. And God will turn you over to believe a lie. He will? Yeah. Why? Because of my own hard heart. Satan's doing his job. He's alive and well. The God of this age, He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the Gospel of of the glory of Christ. Don't let that be you this morning. You know there's only so many invitations to the Lord that you can turn down before your heart gets so hard that you'll never nothing can crack it. Nothing. So be praying for people that you know that are far from God right now. Because God, he's still doing a work in them and you you got to pray against the forces of Satan to keep that door open to the last second. Now, one of the proofs of the Messiah, I guess a great proof of the Messiah, was giving sight to the blind. Over and over again in Scripture, it's predicted that when the Messiah comes, that's Jesus, one of the things he will do is he will cause the blind to see. I think that's physically and spiritually. And he'd do a whole bunch of other miracles. The greatest miracle of all is what? The resurrection from the dead. And man, that was the hook, line, and sinker that got the apostles all on board. And they said, I don't care what they do to me. I'm going to follow Jesus because I see him clearly. And they did the work. This blindness thing, this miracle thing, was predicted by Isaiah the prophet. Now, Luke records this event. But Jesus is about to read from a prophet that lived maybe you know, seven, 800 years earlier. Uh, Jesus returned to Galilee. Where's Galilee? Remember, that's up in the north. Jerusalem's down here in the south, about a hundred mile journey I, from here to San Diego. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So Jesus is moving north. He's doing miracle after miracle. And everybody hears about this guy named Jesus. He taught in their synagogues. Whose synagogues? The people there at Nazareth. Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Now, why is that significant? What what do you know about Nazareth and Jesus? That's not where he was born. He was born where? In Bethlehem of Judea. But where was he raised? In Nazareth. Where did he go to synagogue? That's all that church means. He went to church in Nazareth. And now he's all grown up. He's 30 years of age. That's the age of a rabbi. And now he's gonna go preach in his own hometown. But most of the people don't recognize him. Jesus was a popular name. And so, hey, this rabbi named Jesus is in town. We got a guest rabbi. Let's give him the pulpit that day. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He takes off. hey, I'll preach. No matter, yeah, problem, no problem. And everyone prays. Whoa! Great sermon. And so he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He was, he's a regular church attender, all right? What's the next verse say? And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. See, they, they preached in order. And the scrolls would be kept in a sacred place. And the scroll that they pulled out on that Sabbath day and handed to Jesus was this passage of Scripture. Wasn't it lucky That this was the passage of Scripture that Jesus was given to preach on that day? Yeah, if you spell luck, G-O-D, right? See, God's hand is all over this. I hope you see it. Unrolling it, notice, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon, what's the next word? Me. Who's the Me. Because he has pronounced me, who's the me, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me, who's the me, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. What's the first miracle mentioned by Isaiah that the Messiah would do? He would not only preach, he would restore vision, spiritual vision, physical vision to the blind to release the oppressed. That was the nation of Israel at that time. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a jubilee of sorts. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Shortest sermon he ever preached. Shall we stand and sing? That was it. What was he saying? Today, this scripture that Isaiah was talking about was talking about me. I'm the Messiah you're looking for. I am your God. And if you want to go on to read the rest of that chapter, you'll find out. They said, Who is this guy? Ah, I recognize him. Isn't he Joseph and Mary's son? He's what... Jesus goes on to say, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Have you found that to be true? In your own family, maybe you arise to you know, some height of grandeur, but your own family doesn't really think much about that. Well, his own hometown didn't think much about that. And Jesus couldn't do many mighty works there. And he started to leave, and on his way out of town, they were so angry and so upset, they wanted to throw him off a cliff and kill him. And he just kind of walks through the crowd. That's the way that story ends. But the big picture I want you to get to see is Jesus is not only telling the crowd, he's telling the twelve, hey guys, I'm God. Are you getting this? That's what that verse is all about. Well, it's one thing to have it predicted, it's another thing to fulfill it. And in Luke chapter 7, uh, in verse 20, he proved it. He proved it how? Well, first of all, the blind could see, and then a whole bunch of other miracles, including the resurrection and from the dead. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases. Sickness and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were, what's the next word? Blind. Are you getting this? Sometimes spiritually we need a second touch. John the Baptist, who was he? He was Jesus' cousin. He was the prophet who was sent to make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, he was to announce Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, God is coming to earth, and he did his job well. But you know where he's at right now? He's rotting away in a prison. Herod has him in prison. Prison will do funny things to your mind. And he's beginning to wonder, hmm, is Jesus really the Messiah? Has your life ever been so messed up? Maybe in debt, maybe your health, maybe your marriage, maybe your kids have just Disappointed you to the point of heartbreak. Maybe you were in a, like Houston, a hurricane, or Mexico, a, a, an earthquake. In your life right now, you just don't feel like God's present. And you're asking, Is there really a God? Is Jesus really Lord if my life is this messed up? Well, that's where John the Baptist is at. And the Bible says, He was the greatest man of his day. So don't feel so bad when you have some doubts. John's having some doubts. And so, what what does Jesus respond to the men who John sent? So, he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John. That's John the Baptist. What you have seen and heard. What's the next phrase? The blind receive sight. Are you seeing this? Go tell John, blind people see, because John knew Isaiah the prophet. This is a prediction of what the Messiah would do. The lame would walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is, preached to the poor. Go tell John that! And they do. And John says, that's enough. I got my second touch. I got my second one. I can die in this prison. It won't be long, and his head will be cut off for the cause of Christ. And all the way there, he's just going, hey man, I'm going to be in heaven soon. I'm going to be in heaven soon. See, when you receive a second touch, when you're down and discouraged by God, you can face death with assurance and certainty. But then there's that spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness, um, it really equals a lack of spiritual perception. And, and let me give you kind of the background leading up to this next question that jesus asked the disciples he had just fed the four thousand and then he fed the five thousand he even got the disciples involved in helping with that miracle and then when they leave the the disciples are are warned by jesus to beware of the yeast of the pharisees and they don't understand um were the pharisees believers or unbelievers They were unbelievers. Did they believe Jesus was the Messiah? No. The crowds didn't even believe at this point. They just, you know, he's a good teacher. He doesn't preach like the normal preachers preach. Uh, This guy preaches with authority. And this guy backs up what he preaches with miracles. And hey, you know, I'm sick or i got a loved one that's sick. And Jesus took care of all the illness and disease that was in Palestine at the time. By the time he ended his ministry, (laughs) there probably wasn't any sickness then. And so they believed he was a prophet, some, but they didn't get the God thing. But neither do the twelve yet, alright? If you're going to lay down your life for God, you're going to do his bidding, you've got to get that concept. So beware of the unbelief, the yeast of the Pharisees. They don't understand. And so Jesus will say in Mark 8, 17, do you have eyes but fail to see? Don't you see what I'm doing? Do you still not see or understand? And so this is a question of clarity. Are you not getting who I am? And so the disciples really kind of saw in part, but they didn't grasp fully that He was God. They would say, you know, He's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He's a miracle worker. But God? How do you see Jesus this morning? Do you see in part? Let's talk about seeing in part and then seeing in whole. If you see in part, well, then the Bible speaks about this as well. This is the miracle that I wanted to get to. Mark eight twenty-two. Mark eight 22. Let's look at about verse, yeah, well, 22 to 24. They came to Bethsaida. This is where this miracle takes place that I want to get to. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. See, that had, that was probably the common way that Jesus healed people, with the touch. He didn't have to touch them, but he's touching people because he wants the people watching and the people experiencing the miracle to make the connection of who he is. He could just say the word. He cured people and healed people from a distance. So he touches him. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village, and when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him. See, the problem was with his eyes. So he touched his eyes. Jesus asked, do you see anything? This is important. He doesn't ask, can you see? He asks, what? Do you see anything? He looked up and he says, well, I see people. And they look like trees walking around. Well, how does he know what a tree looks like? How does he know what people look like? Well, some believe that he had seen at one time in his life he had his sight at one time and then was blinded maybe by an accident or a disease, and so he had a previous you know understanding of what a tree would look and I suppose you got a bunch of people in a crowd and they're walking around arms out they look like trees. Uh, others would say no, he just had felt enough trees in his lifetime and felt enough people to kind of you know make the connection. These are people and they appear like trees. Which one's true? I don't know. Draw your own conclusion. It doesn't really matter, right? I see people and they look like trees walking around. But notice, Jesus didn't ask if he saw anything. He says, can you see? Do you remember when he cured blind Bartimaeus? Instant. Not a partial, but a full and complete. And when he healed... Every other miracle he did was an instant miracle. Why is this one a gradual healing? I believe it's so the disciples and we can learn a lesson about spiritual perception and about who God really is. Jesus is God with us on earth. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. And so at this point, the man, well, let me ask it. does the man have sight or not? Answer that in your own mind. Does the man have sight? I suppose you can answer that, well, yes. He, he sees something. Um, is it perfect? No. But he sees people. They're distorted. They look like trees. But compared to before, he was completely blind. He saw nothing. And so in a way you could say yes, he saw something. So, um, imagine your life here for a moment. And if all of you were now blind, and you couldn't see anything, all you got is pure darkness. And now all of a sudden, you get partial sight. Wouldn't you be excited about that? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't your heart start to beat fast? Wow, this is great. This is terrific. But now Jesus pushes him a little, and He's questioning him a little bit more. Can you see Anything? and 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 maybe the temptation might be if i got a partial miracle and i couldn't see anything and i go oh man i don't want to lose this i don't want to answer the question wrong you know i might just take my blessing and run it's kind of like if you ever watched those game shows where you win a prize Maybe, you know, and it's a pretty nice prize. It's in the box on the floor. You know, they pick up the box and it's a nice prize. You go, well, look at that. I got this nice prize. And then the host of the game show, what does he do? He says, do you want to risk the prize and go for what's behind door number two? And you go, oh, I don't know. (laughs) This is a pretty good prize. I, I think I just might take this and run. Partial blessing. Okay, that's what you want to do, fine. But let me show you what you could have won. And they open it up and it's a, a new car, right? And now he's going, oh, man, if I'd just risked it, if I'd just gone for it. If I'd just hung in there. Aren't you glad this guy hung in there? And he'd just take his blessing and run. Jesus asked him a question. He stayed and he answered it. I, I see something. I see people. But they don't look right. They look like trees. I don't see with clarity. And the disciples were like that. And you and I are like that from time to time. We don't always see God clearly, do we? Especially when we're going through a bummer. If your life is a bummer right now, you don't see God in His fullness, and His holiness. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. He is every bit as much God as He was when life, your life was going well. Jesus was just as much God as when this guy couldn't see, and when he could see partially, and when he could see fully. And the disciples need to learn this lesson. Jesus is talking about clarity. And the crowds, and the people, and even the disciples, they saw in part. Mark eight twenty seven, 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, now look, he's getting a little more intense with the disciples. Who do you say I am? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. That was not the question, was it? What was the question? Who do you say that I am, and how do they answer? Well, some say they're answering for other people. Some say you're John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist now had his head chopped off and he's in heaven with God. Others say you're Elijah. Still others say you're one of the prophets. But Jesus, but who do you say that I am? Church, who do you say that Jesus is? How do you see Jesus? Well, my good days I see Him as on the throne. On my bad days, not so much. I see Him kind of blurry and I need a second touch. And that's okay. Man, I want to live with clarity. I, I, on, my, on my worst day, I want to see Jesus on the throne. And on my best day, I want to see Jesus on the throne. And I never want to lose sight of that. Well, these disciples are a lot like us. They didn't always see Jesus clearly. And so if Jesus were to ask you, do you see anything? How would you respond? And be honest, <clears throat> you know... um, some of you would say, you know, I, I get the Christian life, I'm a believer, I, do, I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I even got baptized into Christ, and you know, I even come to church and listen to that preacher, and he goes way too long, but I still put up with it, and, and I, I hang in there, but you know, it still seems like I'm missing the big picture. You know, it still kind of seems like I'm not experiencing the abundant life that I kind of read about other people experiencing. Do you want more? The first step in receiving more is recognize your need. Recognize where you are in your relationship to God. The crowds heard Jesus. Imagine hearing Jesus teach. The crowds saw and many of them experienced the miracles firsthand of Jesus. Either they themselves or maybe a friend or a relative being healed by Jesus but still they were confused about who he was. And the church is filled with people today that only see in part. They've accepted Christ, but they still have one foot in the world, one foot in God, and, you know, we're kind of like not fully devoted followers. And, and, you know, I'm not not saying that, you know, we don't all mess up. We do. But what I'm talking about is our faith wavers, And you know, you show up once in a while and you kind of eat a half-hearted Lord's Supper, and you're just you don't read your Bible, you don't, you don't pray, and you're just still kind of seeing everything through a kind of a cloudy vision. Does the man see anything? Does he have sight? Yes, he saw something, but there's more. Let's go to the next one. Does he see anything? Well, yeah, let me get this quote in by by Martin. No, you're right. Let's let's, let's go to Martin Lloyd-Jones. Because he describes Christians in in a wonderful way when it comes to this kind of double-sided feeling. These Christians seem to know enough about Christianity to spoil their enjoyment of the world. And yet they do not know enough to feel happy about themselves. They see, and yet they do not see. That's worded pretty well, isn't it? Way better than I could have said it. That's why I wanted to read it. Makes sense though, doesn't it? So, does he see? Yes, he sees something. But does he really see? No, what he saw was inaccurate. Here's the no part. He said the men look like trees. And that's not true sight. People have got to look like people in order to have true sight for this to be a full and complete, legitimate miracle. But what I love about the man is he was honest about his condition. Wish we were as honest about our spiritual condition as this man was about his blindness. Now, C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis said that the Christian life is not like teaching a horse to run faster. It's surgically attaching wings and teaching it to fly. That's a whole other realm, isn't it? Man, that's, oh, Lord, I want that. I don't want to see, you know, partially. I want to see fully. I want wings. I want to fly. I don't just want to walk in the light or crawl in the light. I want to run in the light. I want to fly in the light. And so let's talk about seeing in full. Mark 8, verse 25. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. This is the second touch that we're talking about this morning. His sight was restored and he saw everything how? What's the next word? Clearly. What's the next word? Clearly. See, by you saying that, I don't have to turn around and know that I'm on the right page. All right, Thank you for your help. He was completely restored. Now later, Jesus pushes His disciples. Remember that question that He answered earlier? Who do you say that I am? And they're they're telling Jesus what other people are saying, but they're not all in yet. They're not ready to commit. But Peter speaks up by the revelation of God Himself And says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I think it was about that monotone. And Peter must have looked around as surprised as everybody else and said, Wow, where did that come from? And Jesus says, You didn't come up with that on your own. God gave you that. God told you that. And now Peter, in his spirit, hears from God and knows, I know who you are now. And the other guys are hearing, wow, Peter's a spokesman. If Peter believes that, maybe we should believe that. And then Jesus starts doing really just some miracles for the disciples. Remember when the the storm came and Jesus is asleep? And they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care if we die? We're about to die in this storm. And Jesus says, You're not going to die in a storm because I'm going to die on a cross and I'm not supposed to die this way. And so peace be still. And instantly it became completely calm. And what did they say? Only God could do this. And Jesus says, Yeah, you're starting to see clearly. Your vision is starting to clear up about who I am. It really wasn't, I don't think, until the resurrection because where were the disciples when Jesus was being crucified? They ran. You know, it's one thing to say, I believe, and it's another thing to stand and fight. Stand up for what you... The only one that was at the crucifixion was who? Does anyone remember? John. John was the only... Everyone else. And the next time you meet up with the disciples, you'll find the behind closed doors, and it's no accident that the Scripture says, and the door was locked. See, they're they're, they're afraid of the leaders. If they killed Jesus, guess what they're going to do to us? Boy, after the resurrection, there's no stopping these guys. They can say, when the Pharisees said, you guys stop preaching about him and say, do what you want. We're going to obey God rather than men. You want to kill us, kill us. You want to imprison us, imprison us. You want to torture us, torture us. We see clearly. Ooh, To have that kind of faith. To have that kind of vision of God. To see completely. An optometrist placed a patient in front of an eye chart. Uh, picture this with me. Here's our eye chart, all right? You've all, you've all taken a test like this, right? You know, E, D, C, S, Z. And Z's always look like twos to me, but anyway, here's the eye chart. And the optometrist says to the fella, read this, cover cover your right eye and then read this line right here. And the fellow behind him does and Covers it and he says, Perfect, 2020. Now the left, read this line perfectly. Now both, and read this line right here. And there's silence. And go ahead, read this line. And he turns around, and what he notices this is this guy took him literally, and he had covered both. What he meant was, Now both eyes open and read this line. And that's the way we are spiritually sometimes. I know you're out there, God. I just can't bear to look. I don't know what's going to happen, God. Well, oh, God wants us to see Him clearly. On our best day, on our worst day, when life's going great, and on our worst day, when life's not going so great. now, I don't want you to cover your eye and read an eye chart, but what I do want you to do this morning, everyone stand up. Go ahead and stand up. It's not invitation time yet, but we'll just pretend. Cover your right hand over your heart. Read this next verse with me, the next two verses. Out loud, here we go. First word is love. Here we go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're not done. One more. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You may be seated. How'd you do on your ark on your eye chart how'd you do on your heart chart are you doing that when we can do that when we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, when we're seeking first the kingdom of God when we're loving God with all of our heart soul strength and mind man our vision is clear amen and that's what God wants us to see on our good days on our bad days when life's going well and when it's not going so well so how's your spiritual vision today Don't settle for second best. See God clearly. Stand and bless God no matter what you're going through. I know it's not easy. but it's what God has called us to. I heard about a Canadian woman whose name was Rose Crawford. True story. She had been blind for 50 years of her life. Surgery had restored her vision. But the amazing thing about the story is that 20 years of her blindness had been unnecessary. Why? She did not know that the surgical techniques had been developed that could have restored her vision at the age of 30. At the age of 30, she could have received her sight because that's when the surgery was available. But no one had told her about it. No one had told her about the wonderful advancements in eye surgery. Don't let that happen to you. God is God. And He's on the throne 24-7, 365 days a year. And He's promised to never forsake you nor leave you, no matter what you're going through. And God wants you to see Him just like that. I want to close one more time with this verse, the closing verse. Jesus put his hand, Mark 8.25, on the man's eyes. Why the eyes? Why not the hip? Why not the shoulder? Because the problem is with his eyes. God is going to touch you where your greatest problem is today. Where's your greatest problem? Marriage? Finances? Health? Kids? Work? School? Where's your greatest problem? I'll tell you what, your greatest problem is your sin problem if you don't know Jesus Christ. Get that one fixed first. That would be recommendation numero uno. So Jesus touched the man where his greatest need was. And the man's response, once his need was met, 25b, his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Let's pray. See, that's what God wants for you. He wants you. He wants me. He wants us to see Him clearly. Who He is. If if you've been touched by Jesus, if you know Christ, do you see a God who is the creator of the universe and the owner of it all? He owns it all. Do you see Him as one who can supply all of your needs? Do, Do you see God... Who wants to use your hands and your feet and your finances to touch others in need? Now, you may not know God. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're listening on the internet and you don't know the Savior. Would you invite His touch today? Soften your heart. Don't let the God of this world blind you. Reach out to His healing hand. Come to Him through faith and repentance. And trust Him alone and then put Him on in baptism. If you know the Savior, and you are a child of God, but you need a second touch today, whatever it is, whatever area of your life, just tell Him right now. Tell Him that area of your life where you need a second touch and ask for it. He's here to help you. Heavenly Father, please give give a second touch to anyone and everyone who just now reached out to you. Would you do that now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen.